This is the Powered Up Podcast, show number 10. My first semester teaching, um, I just had my students create digital content based on the PA standard. Like, oh, go to a PA standards and create something and cross your fingers that you'll use it in field or student teaching one day. And some feedback that I got, and by like some, I mean like six out of 50 students, was, oh, this class is busy work. And I was like, oh, it hurts. It hurts. So I was like, well, how can I make this more impactful, more meaningful for them? Because some of my students, uh, actually most of my students are freshmen or sophomores when they take our ed tech course. And we believe at Grove City getting students into classrooms early and often is the key. So you, one, you know that you want to be a teacher and you start gaining experiences in lots of different ways. Welcome to a real-world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. What's up, everyone? This is Ken Ehrman, host of the Powered Up Podcast, and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Matt, about to enter free agency, Rogers. Matt, what's going on? Hey, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Just just as a quick reference for those that don't know what I'm talking about with free agency, we had a promo before we launched the podcast, and I gave you a 10-show a contract. And this is show 10. So the viewers are going and listeners are going to have to wait until the end of the episode to find out what happens with your uh, now ending contract. I'm nervous. I mean, as you can hear from that open, I, I'm a little worried about my chances, buddy. Um, yeah. Episode 10. Excited about it. We're having an old friend on. It's it's a perfect way to celebrate my potential last episode with you. <laughs> I completely agree. So we've talked about this with a few of our guests. Um, I think show five with, with Susan really hit on this well, but it's really important for teachers to be reflective, reflective of their own teaching practice in a big picture, reflective of a specific lesson, reflective of a specific interaction with students to grow our craft and, and, and improve day in and day out and year in and year out. So let's let's kind of do that here with our show. We're growing, we're getting better, or we're trying to get better at we least. Think. You know, what what is something that you think that um that we're we're trying to improve on or in kind of relation to to teaching in this podcast? Yeah, so I think the whole goal of this podcast, I know in our intro lesson that we the the keyword that I kept up bringing up was authentic. I want it to be authentic, honest conversation. Uh, we don't know all. And uh, if you've listened to the first nine episodes, you can hear our stumbles and falls, uh, usually mine, but we are in the classroom every single day trying I, I've used some of the features from almost every single interview um, since we've recorded them because I actually am 
getting things from these conversations that directly tie into challenges or opportunities in my room. And I think that's the whole goal of this. This whole goal is uh, making a difference, inspiring, trying a little bit differently, not harder, but trying a little differently. And how can we tackle this incredibly tough career as gracefully as possible? Definitely. I, I completely agree with that. Um, for me, it's it's becoming a better listener, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, and having having some preparation, but not an agenda. Uh, Matt and I do not script anything other than, you know, the lesson, the lesson deep dive at the end and which we still don't have a name for and the, <laughs> the exit ticket. Uh, nothing's really scripted. We might have a couple bullets of ideas or topics that we want to talk about based on our initial conversations with the guest or just on their website or their or their Twitter profile or, or something like that. Um, but we 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 really just go with the go with the flow and go with the conversation. And you know, I'm really trying to do a better job of listening to our guests and, and just trying to extract what they're saying and, and almost just repeat it to to bring light to it and to focus on it, to recognize how great it is, what they're doing. And it it kind of brings me back to teaching small group in the classroom. You know, you you have an objective of the lesson that you're working on with the students. And you might have some questions or some prepared things that you want to do, but it's a give and take. It's a it's a listening to the student and saying, okay, they are not where I thought they were. Let me step back. Let me go back three steps. Or, wow, you know, the kid did not get the answers right on the exit ticket, but he actually knows all the skills that I was hoping for. Let me challenge him a little bit more to see how far I can take him. You know, that idea of you kind of have an idea of what you want to do, but you listen you watch and you you adjust and and that's what I've personally been really trying to do is is just do a really good job of of listening to our guests because they're fantastic. Um, it's it's just been so great to to talk with and to listen to these fantastic educators and I can't wait to keep doing it. Um, you know we're we're on our way to talking to an educator in every state and and that's the goal um, sooner than later. Um, if you, you check out the website, power edu up slash, I think it's location, maybe locations. Uh, there's a map of, of everyone that we've, we've talked with so far. So I'm excited to see that grow. So we have an interview tonight with Dr. Sam Fessish. Um, she is a, she is a pre-service teacher at Grove City College, um, in Professor. Western Pennsylvania. Fessick. Did I say that right? No, pre-service, uh, instructor, professor, associate professor. Got it. Yes. Sorry. Perfect title right there. Sorry about that. Um, she's from Grove City College out in Western Pennsylvania, and she just brings light to what she does with her students preparing to enter the world and career of education. But we're also able to kind of pick it apart and, and analyze how it relates to to K-12 classrooms as well. So before we jump into it, Matt, is there anything that you want to you want to highlight about the interview? Yeah, I think when when talking about disruptive instruction, uh, I know that we've had some uh, themes of our podcast talking about disrupting the status quo in instruction, and what does it look like to bring, I know with talking with Jessica recently, um, what it means to bring the best learning experience is an authentic and, and honest learning experience. And so Dr. Sam has to put it lightly, 
been an inspiration in my eyes or should be to all college programs what they should be doing with first and second year teachers. She takes kids, and we don't go as deeply as I'd like to. That's why I'm going to bring it up. She takes every single learner that goes through Grove City and her class and pairs them with another teacher across the country and potentially across the world. She has had international pairings where the focus is ed tech, but the kids are not submitting to just complete the assignment. They're submitting to their advisor, a in-the-classroom teacher that's giving honest feedback, interacting with the kids. The freshmen and sophomore students are actually getting in there. It's incredible. And to sit there and say, oh, you know what? The kids really like this attribute of your lesson. This is one area that I would tighten up. And to be able to have not only really good conversations with pre-service teachers to give them advice, but also the joy of there was a purpose other than just getting a grade behind my assignment. Uh, Dr. Sam talks about how it was just a lot of busy work. And she has totally changed that, that model. And I think it's she's created a program and a, a situation at Grove City that I wish that I could be a part of, um, even in the classroom now. And that's the, the true sign of, of doing something right. Absolutely. I couldn't put it better myself. It's just that real world application that she provides them. And, you know, she essentially uh, supplements her biggest weakness. And, and it's not a weakness. It's just the fact that she's not in the classroom anymore. And she recognizes that she has classroom experience. She's a fantastic teacher, but she's providing them what she can't. And, and there's nothing better than that in terms of in terms of getting ready for a career in education. So without any further ado, let's jump into our amazing interview with Dr. Sam. Hey, Sam, welcome to the podcast. How are you tonight? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Ready to rock and roll. I'm, I'm excited. You're uh, I know you don't like staying up late. No, and I, I record not. these a little I... bit late, but you're already bringing the energy. So. <laughs> Uh, we'll just have to work to keep that enthusiasm as we go farther and farther past your bedtime. Thank you. So Thank you. <laughs> uh, why don't you just start off by introducing yourself to our audience and what your, um, you know, kind of a snapshot of what your career has looked like in education. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Dr. Sam Fesich. I'm an associate professor at Grove City College, where I get to teach future educators all about ed tech and special ed. And I also get to oversee a few of them in their special ed student teaching placement. So it's really fun to see them grow from their freshman year all the way up to student teaching and graduate and all that great stuff. Um, and I also do a couple of the field, field classes there as well for our special education majors. But when I went to college, I never dreamed about being a professor. I always thought I was going to be like the best first grade teacher this world has ever seen. And I've never been a first grade teacher, nor do I plan to be a first grade teacher. But that's what I went to college like, oh, I want to be the best first grade teacher ever. And then uh, one day, like my freshman year, my dad calls me on my flip phone, you know, he got that flip phone. And he goes, hey, Sammy, I saw on the news that you can add special ed to your major. And that's pretty cool. You should do that. And I was like, oh, dad, no, I'm not going to do that. That's too much work. And I was 19, 20. I thought I knew everything. A couple weeks later, I'm like, well, maybe I should add special ed. 
So I bebopped down to my advisor's office. I added it just to be more marketable, which was definitely the wrong reason to add it. But I'm glad that I added it because when I went to my first observations and field work, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm supposed to be a teacher, a special ed teacher. And I just fell in love with the field and all that, all the amazing stuff that goes along with it. It was so much fun to do student teaching. And later, uh, my first job as a teacher was a middle school multiple disabilities teacher. And I had eight students in my class and about six adults. Um, uh, and it was the best teaching experience I've ever had. Uh, did that for a couple of years. And I started to like bring in ed tech into the special ed classroom. So there was like a smart board on wheels, which was really cool at the time. And I dragged it down the hall and I started using it with my students. And it was so cool to see their eyes light up and try, we're trying something new through like literacy and math and our morning meeting, we're using the interactive whiteboard. And I thought, wow, this is really cool, giving them different ways to interact with uh, content through technology. And that's kind of where this blend of special ed and ed tech started like to take form like okay i'm liking this i'm liking this and um at the time i was getting a master's in ed tech at penn state online and they're like did you know that you can roll that into a phd i was like let it roll let it roll let's do this so we moved up to state college my husband and i we ate way, way too many grilled stickies and went to the waffle shop way too many times but um after three years graduated a phd in learning design and technology with dissertation work in augmented reality um uh, for kids with special needs so very cool uh journey in education gosh that is you know I so many parts. I don't know if we've ever talked. So, Dr. Salmon. I feel like uh, we've talked before, Matt. I mean, <laughs> well, it's not the okay. first time. <laughs> All right. So, Dr. Sam, Ken, and I know each other from an outside program, which we'll talk about more in the past. But I, the point that I want to talk about is I my passion is very similar to yours. So, I grew up in learning support and kind of, I don't know if worked my way out of it, but with less supports. And in that same sense, maybe in a reverse, was so passionate about supporting kids like myself that I went into special ed and had to get convinced that I should probably add elementary ed to my <laughs> special ed, which was wild. Just to have like flexibility and options yeah. in that field. And I remember uh, graduating and getting so much more out of the special ed classes because they were actual problems. It wasn't just boring curriculum that you were studying or how can you look at behavior charts and, and behavior modification. It was like, we have this child that will not survive without you. Like that was kind of the, the way that these courses went. And it's just the immediate reward uh, in teacher prep only to go into getting hired out of college to teach learning support. Now, not as severe or as many uh, challenges as a multi-disability classroom, but in the flip side, ended up asking, hey, can I help other kids more and went into regular ed? But I, I love what your, your pathway was ed tech. And one of the things that I love about ed tech, especially in the last decade or so, is a huge part of an IEP is the forgotten assistive technology. Assistive technology, if you're not familiar, is the concept of allowing learners with disabilities to have access to uh, learning opportunities as close to grade level as possible. 
whether it's deaf and hard of hearing, whether it's visual impairments, what are different accommodations, uh, Braille, so that they can still receive learning just like any other kid. And the amount of, we'll say, uh, expenses that go into non-working and non-functioning assistive technology is incredible. And I'm sure you can kind of talk about that until this last decade or so where these technology devices we're now having the conversation of, are we evening the playing field? And it's now shifting to, hey, good teaching in the special ed world is probably good teaching in the regular ed world. And good accommodations for kids with needs ends up just being good teaching practices, and you don't need to do that much more. So I guess in that whole spectrum, I know we're get, we're diving in right away. I know. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> so so your your journey is, hey, you ended up being the test dummy, I'm sure, oh, with using. I, that's how I was. I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't call you something other than myself. But hey, I'm I'm brave enough to try this and, I, and I'm not going to be um, hesitant to try opportunities if I think it'll benefit kids. And honestly, my kids were the ones that were the coolest in school because look at all the neat things they were creating. I don't know what special ed environment has ever been the place other kids wanted to be in. Um, and I'm sure the same in your room. So I would say we could go back way far, but ed tech has come a long way, especially in that special ed field, in regular ed field. But I don't think people recognize that shift or that paradigm um, of, of what it has changed for learners with special needs. Can you kind of speak in that? I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. In your work, obviously in the pre-service teaching, it's gotta be really challenging to say, Hey, when we were, when you were teaching this nifty tool that you're justifying for the classroom, how do you now target ed tech? and the integration with teacher preparation as it's part of daily life and so natural within kids. So let's talk about ed tech for kids with special needs. You were talking about assistive technology, and I'm a huge advocate of assistive tech should be considered for any student with an IEP, no matter what their, how severe their needs are, um, because assistive tech can just help in lots of different ways. So it can be as simple as a pencil grip to um, a, a um, high-tech communication device that they use, or it can be an app that lives on their phone or on the school's laptop or wherever. Um, but when we look at ed tech for accessibility options, it is just full of so many best practices and stuff that we're going to want to do anyway with our students. So like Microsoft has blown the doors off of accessibility with their immersive reader, which is like embedded through OneNote and Teams, um, Outlook, all sorts of places. And it's just is there for anyone to use for anyone to use and i think it's just so cool just to like point out to my students when we're using microsoft teams hey did you know if you go to these more options you can live caption this whole class so in case like you're not looking at the screen or if you miss something it'll read it aloud it'll have it like in text form right underneath there 
Or did you know, like over in PowerPoint, like it's going to give you an accessibility checker just to make sure like you have all your titles and your alt text and everything. So in case you do have a student using a screen reader, it'll still be able to read that. And that's just the best practice to get into. Is my presentation accessible? Is it um, using good font choices? Is it using great contrast? But like that immersive reader, dude, if I had that whenever I was a teacher, that would have been amazing. It does text to speech. It has the, um, increased fonts, it does contrast, line spacing, and like the the visual dictionary is just amazing. And I was like, oh, this is just great to have just because um, it just is a great accessibility option. I use, uh, I use whenever I'm walking around the house and we all have a blog post being read aloud to me, you know, as I'm cleaning up my desk or whatever. But like, it's just, it's just good to have and just understanding how these tools are now like starting to embed into our everyday lives is really important to think about and we can look at that for like task management or like breaking down a skill or whatever that might be or using our schedule using our agenda color coding things you know just for like executive functioning and organization I mean it's it's so embedded within our everyday lives it really is I actually ironically was in a classroom two days ago because the teacher all of a sudden had subtitles appearing or ca closed captioning appearing when she was presenting her PowerPoints <laughs> and didn't know how it got there. Um, and so I had no idea that you could do that. I knew about the immersive reader through the Microsoft programs, but I had no idea about the closed captioning in present mode of PowerPoint. And I found it and I showed her how to turn it on and turn it off. And she was super excited to to know that because her first reaction was wow now i know if i have any student with any type of need hard of hearing whatever it is that's a great tool she's like but it was really distracting today because we didn't know why it was there we didn't know how to get rid of it <laughs> and all the kids magic? were just reading and she's like it was more distracting for me than it was for my students because i kept reading what i was <laughs> what i was saying it's like an um, <laughs> exactly but you're right there's there's so many tools out there um if you had to, and you definitely already touched on a few of them, but if you just had to hit on a couple of, not even necessarily tools specific to a program, but just general um, technology tools that are out there that you think are best practices for everybody, regardless of the students that you have in your classroom, what are those some heavy hitters that you think teachers should really consider using in daily practice? That's a great question. Um, I did want to hit on this on the caps ca captioning for slideshow. You can also have it translate to different languages too. So if you have students who have English language needs, you can have it translate there. And Microsoft Translate does a beautiful job of this as well. Um, but the ones that the, the technology that I would say help because um, best practice is best practice. Good pedagogy is good pedagogy, and technology is going to be able to help support that in your virtual, in your hybrid, or in your traditional learning spaces. And I would say that my go-to tools are they're going to have to be free because teachers and especially future teachers, we only have pizza and coffee money over in college land, um, but they need to be free. They need to be easy to use. So something that's not going to spend a lot, a lot of my teacher time learning how to use this tool. And it has to be worth my while so I can use it for a variety of different things, but it has to have multiple functions. So my first one would have to be Office Lens. And it's an app you can grab on your phone. And what I love about it is whenever we are in traditional learning spaces, students would take notes, they'd get their phones and they'd take a picture of the slide or they'd take a picture of their handout or whatever it was with their little camera app. And I was like, there has to be a better way because 
if you store those, you know, it's just going to be found in your pictures, like next to selfies and stuff. You're not going to go back and look at that. But Office Lens, what it does is you can take a picture of a document, of a slide, of a whiteboard, of whatever, and it cleans it up for you. So it makes it look nice, better. And um, you can save it as an image, as a PDF, as an OCR Word doc. So this saves you some teacher time. If your co-op or your mentor teacher gives you content that they want you to adapt, you can take a picture of it using Office Lens, uh, choose document mode, and it'll extract that text and pop it into an OCR Word doc. So now you don't have to retype anything, but you can make those edits as you need. If you need more white space, if you need um, uh, slightly better images, if you need to adjust the font or whatever that is. And it also has immersive reader embedded right on there. So if your students, if you're giving them something to read, um, if it's a paper or something like that, have them take a picture of it in Office Lens and they can use Immersive Reader to have it read aloud to them. So that does a lot of function for me as a teacher and for uh, my students as well. Um, another one would just have to be Nearpod or Pear Deck. They're phenomenal tools for engagement. So I can do my check-ins, but not only formative assessment, but SEL check-ins. I love just asking my students, you know, let's take a temperature of the room today. How are we doing? And Pear Deck has a beautiful, beautiful templates for that. Um, uh, Nearpod with their virtual reality, with their um, check-ins, all the different ways to assess and take that data and then make those decisions. Really important. And then my third one have to be Canva. So I'd say Canva for educators, which is free for teachers. You get so much stuff in that. Oh my gosh. It's like so amazing. <laughs> so you can have your lesson plans. You can have like your virtual backgrounds. Um, you can pop in um, presentations. So if you're tired of like the same old, same old PowerPoint templates, you can pop in into Canva. And what's nice is all the design work is done for you. So you look like an amazing like design guru. But hey, I just put in some really cool content and change the colors. Look how lovely it is. Um, but so those are my three. Office Lens, Nearpod or Pear Deck, and then Canva for educators. All are free. All have multiple uses and they're very easy to use. All right. I'd love to continue talking about kind of what your your suggestions. You have a wealth of knowledge, uh, but I have to bring up this thing right here. Oh yeah, the thing you're mentioned in that Ken's not right. That's right. <laughs> that's the only. That's the only reason he wants to bring. It. I, I have. Right? I have the... I'm going to bring this up right here. All right. Matt, so, remember. And... Remember, we have. We have. Uh, we have audio only. I know, I know. So this viewers. this this book is uh, one of the best books out there uh, because it's the first time I got published. No, because it's just it's wonderfully written. It's called Edgy Magic: A Guide for Pre-Service Teachers. This was your first installment. I know that there's a follow-up as well. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that your name, uh, if you want to check page 137, might be the best piece of advice. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, that sounds like the virtual co-op chapter, just uh, saying. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> One of the things that is fascinating about what you've done in a relatively small school of Grove City um, is created a huge name and huge movement and uh, in the advocation for the pre-service teacher and the teaching and training service uh, and um, process. We all went through a uh, pre-service <laughs> teaching experience. Um, I was calling it uh, a, a factory approach almost, where it was you just kind of go through and you get your course and you move to the next one. And hopefully you have great inspirational professors, but it realistically comes down to your in-class experiences. 
Um, that's where you do your learning. That's where you have your questions. And your preparation is really dependent on how good the, the teacher you're paired with. And one of the things that I think is incredible about what you've prioritized is making that experience as great as possible, even if the accessibility to wonderful classrooms isn't within your town or it within driving limits um, by reaching out through digital means. So can you kind of speak to what makes your drive in uh, teacher preparation, as well as what you set up for many of your semesters, uh, how that looks like and where you're shifting to, uh, to better prepare your kids to become classroom facilitators. Yeah, yeah. So this idea came about, um, how long was it? Six years ago, maybe seven? I don't know how long I've been, I don't know, we'll say six years ago. And uh, my first semester teaching, um, I just had my students create digital content based on the PA standard. Like, oh, go to a PA standards and create something and cross your fingers that you'll use it in field or student teaching one day. And some feedback that I got, and by like some, I mean like six out of 50 students was, oh, this class is busy work. And I was like, oh, it hurts, it hurts. So I was like, well, how can I make this more impactful, more meaningful for them? Because some of my students, uh, actually most of my students are freshmen or sophomores when they take our ed tech course. And we believe at Grove City getting students into classrooms early and often is the key. So you, one, you know that you want to be a teacher and you start gaining experiences in lots of different ways. So every class has a field component except for the ed tech course. And I was like, well, let, let's work on that. So after brainstorming with my chair, Dr. Nichols, shout out Connie. Um, she was like, well, you have such a big network on Twitter. Don't you have like lots of followers? I was like, yeah, I guess. And she's like, well, why don't you ask them if they would like to do something? I was like, okay, Ooh, <laughs> I don't know what that would look like, but okay. So I just bebopped back on over to Twitter, hopped in some DMs. I'm like, hey, would you want to work with a future teacher and they can make stuff for you to use in the classroom, please? And um, the response was amazing. And it was so cool because now my future teachers, so say my future math teachers, my future secondary biology teachers, my kinder teachers, they're like, you are working with somebody who's going to be, who is in the shoes that you want to be in one day. So not only are you being able to create content that they can use within their classrooms with their students, but um, you're connecting with somebody um, as a professional educator on social, whether it's on Twitter, now we have Instagram added into that. Um, and just being able to connect as a professional educator and knowing that they have value to offer other teachers um, is just phenomenal. And it just turned that idea around of this is busy work, I'm never going to use this to, hmm. My teacher gave me something to do with fractions and I can, I'm going to make something in Canva for them and then I'm going to put in my digital portfolio. Maybe I'll use it for student teaching, but you know what, right now it's being used in this fourth grade class and that is really cool. And when teachers share it out on social and other teachers like, oh, can I use that? They get super excited because now they're putting value out into the world of teaching and it is just so cool to see them grow. They'll actually go and they'll edit and they'll change stuff for their co-op. They might forget to turn it in for a grade of like, 
hey, can you turn that in? I know you did it because I saw it. Um, but like they'll go and they'll revise and they'll re-edit and they'll make it the best that it can for that cooperating teacher to use in their class. And it's all done virtually. So this was pre-COVID um, and it, it's just been such a cool opportunity. So now like I've, I've you know, really used our alumni. Um, now that I've been there for a couple of years, I know a couple of, couple of people have graduated. So I, they're, cause they're like, oh, when I graduate, I wanna be a co-op, I wanna help you out. And then there are other students who are in the class like, hey, I really had an impactful teacher. Can I reach out to them to see if they would wanna partner with me for this? Absolutely you can. So it's just about making those connections and learning from each other. Well, what I love about that for the the perspective of the, of the pre-service teacher is like you said, you're you're empowering them and encouraging them to create and maintain professional relationships. I mean, um, I had a few teachers and principals that I had as a kid that really helped me grow as I was in college and, and even leaving college. Um, and those professional relationships absolutely helped me uh, be where I am today, as well as while I was, you know, an actual teacher, maintaining those professional relationships is what has allowed me to grow. So you're giving them that authentic experience to do that. But also, you know, if you are not a pre-service um, educator like Sam is, think about what she's saying. She gave her students a real-world application to her classroom content. Her classroom content is preparing teachers. My classroom content is teaching fractions or teaching about Rome, whatever that is, find that real world application because it inherently increases that motivation for the students to buy in and to be more motivated to perform and to create something that's you know more powerful and, and a better experience for everyone. So what would you say is something in addition to what you just shared? Other things that that you really try to focus on with your, your pre-service work with these future educators to try to make it as real as possible for them to help the, help prepare them to be the best educator they can be. So a couple of things that I wish that I knew about whenever I was a future teacher was uh, the power of a digital presence and easy, positive and powerful. Um, and you can start spreading those breadcrumbs of awesomeness like your freshman, sophomore year and add to it. So by the time you're a senior and your student teaching, you have this, this strong footprint that shows who you are as a teacher. And then something else I wish that I learned about, and I try to, like this isn't like anything like hard and fast that I say to my students, but I try to put in the importance of self-care and taking care of you yourself as a teacher. Um, because I think oftentimes, um, you know, college students, college of ed students and student teachers, new teachers, they're all like, um, will you volunteer for this? Yes. Will you head this committee? Absolutely. Will you go to this dance? Okay. You know, you're always volunteering and saying yes. But if you're saying yes to something, you're probably saying no to yourself. So you got to sprinkle in acts of self-love throughout the day. You got to take care of you. You got to know your limits um, as a teacher and learn that early so you can practice that your first year and not get, we know, we know about the teacher burnout so we can kind of you know take care of ourselves so we can take care of others so i try to do that a little bit um it's nothing that i like have any like specific lessons or anything on it's just you know how, how are you taking care of yourself and you know having those conversations with students and direct messages or anything like that i think uh one of the things uh, that i always appreciate so i've been able to um, support your students in the past, probably four yes. or five semesters, I want to say, um, and always had wonderful experiences, which is awesome. awesome, especially with new 
like two college they are freshmen. kids. Yes. I mean, we're talking September of freshman year where there are many getting acclimated to college conversations and opportunities that uh, I, I went a little overkill. I asked to talk to them every week, at least for awesome. 15, 20 minutes. Um, and it was one of those things that it was a really cool opportunity because we ended up talking so much more about college and how we were adjusting to coursework and preparing for finals and uh, all the workload than actually any teacher prep. And it was just really <laughs> neat to be a part of that journey um, as, oh, we're going home. I'm seeing my family for the first time. And, oh, is it really like this? These these questions that um, I always really enjoyed. But one of the things that I was always fascinated based off your curriculum is you do an awesome job. So essentially every week you cover a different topic in the ed tech world. And so you yeah. obviously have kind of exit tickets or projects. You ask your students to provide for their classrooms. And I always thought it was really interesting how well laid out that was and how diverse, <laughs> well, honestly, how diverse those activities were um, to say, hey, today I'm going to create a visual on uh, a design platform, and here's five to pick from. You and your co-teacher have to discuss if they're familiar with them and then kind of narrow down. And I remember I'd have some conversations that say, oh, we're in Apple Classroom, so we need to really go towards Apple-friendly items. Or I have no clue what you're talking about any of these items. Pick a <laughs> random one and teach me about you go. it. <laughs> yeah. But it was really neat how I felt like you took the many domains, whether it's ISTE standards or... Oh, that's um, Danielson. Shout out to Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. So those different areas of diverse ed tech, and there were concentrations. It almost seemed like mini classes on each of the facets of ed tech. So tell me about, it's exhausting to keep up with all the ed tech tools. Yeah. And it's one of those labor intensive, uh, it's got to be a ton of work to, hey, I finally feel like I got a grasp on ed tech, <laughs> which is a oxymoron uh, because it obviously adjusts. So what goes into it for your end? There's got to be some vulnerability of not knowing everything and guiding yeah. your learners through it. What is your process of refreshing your class and keeping up on it? Yeah, so unfortunately, my content doesn't stay the same from semester to semester or year to year. Um, now, there are some staples that I keep in there. Um, Canva is definitely a go-to because it's so versatile. So I go for tools that are free, so they're student-teacher-friendly, budget-friendly. Um, they're very easy to use. So they're not going to get frustrated. Um, they're versatile. You can use them for lots of different things. Um, teachers can use them or teachers can use them for their students to create content. Um, and they have to work across different subject areas and grade levels because I teach pre-K through 12th grade and everything in between uh, future teachers. So you got to hit something that's going to help those kinder students and something that's going to help those secondary chem students. And a lot of the tools uh, really can fit into a lot, lots of those different areas. So I ask my students after every semester, give me uh, your top three tools that you use and why you, why you enjoyed using them. And so I'll keep that in consideration. But there are like mainstays every semester. It's always going to be like a Canva 
a Nearpod. Now, augmented reality has come in and out in lots of different forms. So it's, it's gone from QR codes to using HP Reveal to using um, Google Image Search and trying to do some stuff with VR that way. Cromville and Quiver, like it looks different. AR always looks different for me every semester. Um, what else? Virtual reality also looks a little bit different sometimes. So sometimes it's using, we'll do Nearpod and we'll combine virtual reality and Nearpod together because they have the VR right in there. Or they're creating something within Google. What? I know Google Expeditions has changed. And yeah, Google Expeditions, but I don't think they have that anymore, right? Yes, now it's Tour Creator. Tour yep. Creator. Or they do something like that. Um, what else? Um, so I find all the stuff on Twitter and on Instagram. So from teachers like all of you who are posting all the cool stuff that you're doing in your classroom, that's where I start to curate and pick all the stuff that you guys are doing. I'm like, oh, what my future teachers need to know about this. And um, I can show them about that. So just yesterday, I got an email at 2.50 from Monica Burns. She wrote the book Tasks Over Apps, and she has a wonderful blog, and I subscribe to that. So like around 2.50, I get this email, and she has like her top picks, and she mentions this new tool called Edla. I was like, she, she like, she like promoted, like, do you have students holding their papers up to the screen for you to check? And I was like, yes, Monica, I do. And she's like, you should try out this tool. I'm like, I will. So I went right over and I was presenting to my student teachers at three. So I bebopped on over to that site and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I was like, hey guys, I just learned about this tool. This is as much as I know about it. You can hold your paper up to the screen and it'll check it for you. Isn't that cool? And they're like, what? And I was like, I know. Thank you, Monica Burns. So I sent them that link. I'm like, I'm going to investigate that more this week. That's going to be one of my professional goals this week to get to know this a little bit more. And I just think, you know, always being a learner and being vulnerable and telling them, hey, I've never used this before, but we're going to learn how to do it right now. And last semester, like same thing happened, like around 745 in the morning, a alum uh, texts me on Instagram. He goes, hey, Sam, have you used Class Kick? And I was like, no, what is this? And he showed me a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to go investigate that. So it just happened. We were doing formative assessment that day at 8 a.m. So I was like, hey, guys, check out this cool thing. This is how we can use it in the classrooms, how it's going to help our learners. It helps save you teacher time. This is all I know, but we're going to learn about it together. So let's look at it. And so like just being vulnerable, telling them you're doing something new and having fun with it. And if you make a mistake, that's okay because they're going to see, oh, everybody makes mistakes and that's okay. And if it works well, you're going to learn from something from that too. So I don't know if I answered your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the main thing is it's so difficult to be in your role because as you're mentioning is it's always changing. And one of the things that I think is beautiful is as a freshman, predominantly your students being freshmen, they already have a huge piece of their graduation portfolio that is going to look incredibly impressive when they go to look for a job because it's actually done vetted with support that is quality. Um, I think a lot of times we as old fogey teachers uh, <laughs> look for these young guns to have this technology and realistically it's they are less connected to the curriculum that they taught over and over again and the rigid ways that we've taught it, that they come in and bring fresh ideas. And I think, especially from the, the teacher prep side, you do an incredible job to prepare them not only to survive college, but also to get a new job. I, I imagine that is a huge facet of leaving and getting jobs, and especially probably outside of the Grove City area, that's probably heavily 
concentrated with your your graduates, but um, it's just a, a huge benefit that I think you guys do for for your teachers that they're building freshman year and adding to. I know, yeah, it's up to awesome. them to update it and keep it relevant. But I mean, the skills are there. So if they want to change their site out, if they want to take anything out, put anything in, you know, they have those skills already done and they've learned it in a class. They're getting feedback on it weekly when they're turning in their assignments. So I mean. It's up to them to keep it updated, but I mean, they have a great, a great first, a great first uh, impression for somebody who's looking at their digital portfolio for sure. Well, I love your criteria for, for tools that you, you integrate the <laughs> free, you. the free part uh, that it can be used in multiple disciplines and areas. And I think that's really important for pre-service teachers, but I just think that's important for teachers in general. Um, you know, we should be utilizing as much free stuff as we can in addition to those staple tools and programs and, you know, the LMS that the district is supporting with their own funds. Um, and I, I love the approach that you take with, with your students in evaluating the technology. How does this impact learning? How does this impact my teaching? If a tool is allowing a teacher to be more efficient, there's extreme value there because when we're more efficient, we can spend more time thinking about the lesson that we're going to craft for our students. We can spend more time working with a group, one-on-one, -on -one, small group, whatever that case is. Anytime we can be more fit, efficient, it's going to benefit the students. Um, thinking about teachers that are 10, 20, 15, however many years into their career, and they want to try to in, integrate new technology or they want to try to integrate more technology. Do you have any specific advice for them in, in how to approach that, how to learn, who to reach out to, how to, how to get started with that? Sure. So I think first, don't try all of the things at once. Be picky yes. choosy like you're at the ice cream sundae bar. Just pick a few things for the toppings on your sundae, not all the things. Um, so I agree I, with that advice for ed tech. I do cream. not agree with that advice what? for ice cream. Oh no, you gotta be picky choosy. You can put all the things on. <laughs> uh, so let's see, where was I? Okay. So pick and choose what you want to use. What is going on? Oh, sorry. Okay. There we go. Um, be picky choose about what you want to use in the classroom. Don't try all the things. Find something that is going to meet several of your needs when it comes to classroom, um, either instruction or data gathering, whatever it might be. Um, and there's lots of tools that can that are very versatile. Um, so try to get to know a couple of those and keep learning and have an open mindset. <clears throat> and um, yeah, have an open mindset to, to just try it and see how it goes. Try it maybe in a small group if you're a little nervous to try it in front of the large group. Let your students know that you're trying something new. Just be vulnerable with them and say, hey, we're going to try this Nearpod. I've never done it before, but I think you've done it in another class. So if you have any advice or anything, I'd love to know. Um, or, yeah, because sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just the little things and students can help you with that. Um, and, yeah, just be a human. Just, just you know, it's okay to make mistakes. And, yeah, just, just try. Just try. It's okay. Definitely. You're not going to break it. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, do you want to want to jump in on that same question? Yeah, I think um, we actually, to not tail, but um, so Ken and I work for a side company, um, PD Campus, and I actually 
I don't want to say stole, but took some of the wisdom from you, Dr. Sam, and wrote a foundations course that kind of was modeled under what I felt like you uh, brought to that co-teaching and, and co-advising opportunity and just tried to create a boy, I wish I had this class a lot earlier style course. <laughs> yes. You just you just introduce it as freshmen so that as they move through their teaching placement, they know how to appropriately integrate technology, not as flashy, but as instruction. And I think that's my biggest key. As long as you continue to remember that the ed tech world is about, as you were saying, oh, something not apps. What was the, the book? Tasks, not tasks, apps. Tasks, not apps. Or tasks over apps, something like that. But it, it's just that concept. It took me a while. It's kind of like behavior management. Um, you can be too nice and you can be too mean, but you have to work to find that middle ground. I think in the same sense in the ed tech world, you can be too flashy or you can be too uh, traditional and boring in a uh, incentive and gamified and uh, interactive world. There needs to be some integration of technology. And I think finding that balance of what you feel comfortable with, but not losing sight of, of technology um, being the second hand to the instruction. Definitely. I think you have to know yourself. You know, if you are more comfortable with just technology in general in your life, you're going to be more apt to take take risks to find a tool and figure it out and tinker yourself. If that's not you, that's okay. And, you know, there are a lot of fantastic, phenomenal teachers they use very, very little technology. And so it, it's not realistic or it's not necessary for them to all of a sudden run a 21st century classroom where there's technology all day, every day. It, it's not going to enhance the learning experience for the students. Um, but what I think is important for, for teachers that don't even know what tool to start with or where to start or what to type into Google to figure out you know, what tool they want is to lean on a colleague, an instructional coach, someone that uses more technology and, and think about your own classroom and say, okay, what's the one lesson, the one unit or the one week where, you know, it's just not as fun or like <laughs> this isn't the lesson that I look forward to yes, or my lesson is very inefficient and look to that as a spot where you can use technology, but don't try to figure out the tool yourself. Lean on that person and say, this is what my lesson looks like. Do you have any idea of a tool that might make this better or more efficient or more engaging for my students? And let them come up with those ideas and say, here's the tool you want to use. Because a lot of times I'll talk with teachers that say, I want to try this one, this one, this one. And my first question is always, what are you trying to replace or enhance? Let's think about what's the pedagogy. And then I will say, oh, yeah, that that is the right tool. Like, that'll be perfect. Or I might say, nope, forget that one. Let's try this one. It's going to enhance your lesson a lot better. And I, I just think it's important to, like I said, know yourself because great teachers are great teachers. They don't need technology to be great teachers, but it can be inserted in certain spots to enhance everybody's everybody's craft. And unfortunately, I have to jump in an additional component of our suggestion, something that Ken stole from me. We've talked about it in a previous episode how you roll out technology. 
I know Ken had this revelation that when he rolls out new technology, he always pairs it with review content. And when he's using new instructional material, he never uses new technology. Um, and I think that's a huge thing to remember as well as teachers. If you want to try a new tech tool, do it as a review activity. Pull back something that you've already taught, that they know the vocabulary, they know the workflow, and it's just, hey, we're revisiting it. So the instruction isn't the challenge, but everyone's kind of concentrated on, oh, it's a, a game to remind myself. And then if you're teaching something brand new, heck no, should you be incorporating something brand new because the instruction needs to be the priority. So I hate to give Ken credit, but that is something that when we are talking about this world, it is a good reminder. New content, stick to old technology. If you're reviewing content, jazz it up with the new technology. I don't know. Something to that effect. Definitely. So uh, we might get into this a little bit later with some of our, our closing questions, but um, I want to dive into it a little bit deeper here. Sam, what is, ed tech aside, what are lessons or um, things you want to instill in your pre-service teachers that you want to make sure they hear this message loud and clear from you in relation to working in education? I have a feeling it's going to tap back into those initial feelings that you had of why you wanted to be a first grade teacher transitioning into why you wanted to be a special ed teacher. Okay. So let me think about that question. Can you repeat the question? Sorry. <laughs> what are, what are just some really important lessons or ideas oh, or okay. just oh, wisdom good. that you want to impart? <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing I want to make sure that they get is knowing your students relationships first than your content. You can't teach anything until you know the individuals that are in front of you. And each student that comes through your Zoom meeting or goes through your classroom door is an individual. Get to know them, understand who they are, what their strengths, what their skills, what their talents are, and what their areas of need. We all have those, right? We all have things we are glowing with and we all have things we are growing with. And that's what makes us human. So get to know that whether you're a student teacher and you're only there for six weeks or maybe a year, I don't know, however long your student teaching placement is, even if it's a shorter term placement, get to know your students and then get that content out there. My friend, Dr. Heather Michelle, over on Instagram, she shares, she's been sharing like teaching tips every Tuesday since COVID um, hit in March. And one of the first ones that she put out there, I think it was like number 25, was relationships first, procedure second, content third, and then repeat. Always get to know your students. And I, and I try to tell my students that knowing your students is not a get to know you game the first day you do first day of class or like by the end of the week, you know, all your students names, but like know something about them, get to know them as individuals and keep growing that relationship and maintaining it throughout your placement as a student teacher, as a field student, because that's just going to help you grow um, in your own experience as well. So get to know your students for sure is number one. Um, and the teaching will come. You can get better with teaching. You can always like know more about that topic or you can always expand upon that, bring outside experiences into the classroom virtually. Um, but definitely know your students, then the content. Yeah, you, you will become a better teacher. There's no doubt about that. 
the second time you teach a lesson, it'll go better. Yes. Um, I had a, a principal that um, he told me this and it really stuck with me. He said, I hire based on integrity. I don't hire the person that I think is the best skilled teacher in that moment. He said, because I'm going to develop them into being the teacher that I, I want them to be. So you can't te- you can't teach integrity, you can't teach relationships, you can't you can't teach that stuff. Um, so I want to transition into our next part of the show. Um, we're on episode ten here, and I still I don't think I've called it the same thing yet, Matt. Um, so we're gonna I'm gonna just say it's our it's our our lesson deep dive. Um, any our, our viewers or listeners, if you could drop a comment on any of our shows, if you have a more creative way of naming this segment. Uh, we've called it lesson lens. We've called a look at your lesson. Uh, we are looking at a lesson in depth. So any creative way to name this segment, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, so it's six questions back and forth between Matt and I just to try to paint a picture of a lesson. You can throw anything you want at us, whether it's a lesson you give to your college students or it's a lesson from when you were in the classroom yourself. So question number one is, is this a unit overview a, or a single lesson, a week-long project, what are, what are we looking at here? It is a single lesson that can go over two 50-minute class periods. Perfect. That works. Um, paint us the picture of the grade level, subject area, and the time of the year you might have been teaching this lesson. Pre-service teachers, obviously. Okay. What was the next part? Sorry. I, was, I got like, I got that one. Yep. Yep. So why don't we time do time of, year? time of year next? Um, About two months into the semester. So it depends on when, if it's fall or spring, but I try to make it around a holiday or something like that. Like, so for Halloween, it usually happens around that time. For uh, for the fall, it usually happens around Halloween. For spring, it usually happens around Easter-ish because we have spring break. Got it. And the other thing would be subject area, but I assume it's ed tech catered. Does that yeah, count towards ed tech? Okay. Yep, that works. <laughs> that counts. It's your subject. So, what are the objectives of the lesson? To understand what a augmented reality is how it can help support your learners and how to use it as a different way to get students engaged in your in your content either as like an anticipatory set or something that they can create to show what they know oh anticipatory set i love that all right so big teacher language right i know 9 30 at night (laughs) i'm thinking i'm thinking to myself when's the last time i used that term i know it but um sorry (laughs) if you were to describe what your learners are doing the the kids in the classroom what they are doing actively i've got to imagine this one's pretty vibrant but kind of talk about what the student experiences in this lesson Yeah, so they're moving around the room um, to different stations where there's different augmented reality tools that they can interact with. So this is pre-COVID where we'd move around the classroom. Post-COVID, we're doing it more of a show-and-tell type thing virtually. Um, So I have them download all the apps and hopefully they have enough space on their phones. But pre-COVID, there'd be about five or six different stations around the room with different apps that they can explore. 
My favorite one to watch them use was the um, goggles, uh, the card, Google Cardboard goggles with their phone in there with different apps like Google Expeditions was on there, um, the tour where you can guide them through a tour. That was really fun. And then there was one like called Elements 4D or Elements 3, I think it was Elements 4D. They no longer make it, but I still have like the stuff and I show them how it would have worked um, where they have these paper cubes and they scan the um, an element on the cube and it comes to life on their phone. So there's all these different apps that have either printables that go along with it or they're standalone, like search, I'm looking for my phone, uh, like search on your phone for an animal or an atom and have it come up in the, in your in your space wherever you are. So they're moving around the room in pairs. They're identifying what is it? How can I use it? What are some ideas that I can use it for? Sometimes I gave them a little worksheet that they took to all their little things or sometimes there's something digital. It depends on how uh, creative I was in the morning to, to get that going. Um, but yeah, so it looked very active and kids are moving and they're talking to each other and they're writing down their ideas. So during the lesson, while the students are are doing exactly what you just described, what is your role? What are what are you doing to support the lesson? Yeah, so I'm playing music. I am making sure the coffee's filled. No, I'm just kidding. I'm walking around with them, asking them questions. Oh, I love how you're coloring that volcano. Make sure whenever you scan that, notice that the colors are coming up on your phone the same way you have it colored here, and the different parts of the volcano um, are being um, exposed on your phone there. And you can you can you can pull back the layers and see it erupt, or you can adjust these different things on the on the activity on your app. So I'm giving them more information um, and maybe help guiding them through a couple of the ones like where it might not be so clear as to what do I press on my phone um, type thing. And then we, what's really fun is if we can talk with our elementary pre-K four majors, how can we incorporate literacy? How can we do some cross-curricular things with some of these AR tools? And then that's like, that's like one of the first introductions to augmented reality are getting experience using all these different tools in the classroom. So it's, it, I think it's really fun. And the kids, use, students usually have a good time too. I would imagine they do. It sounds like an awesome <laughs> class period. Um, so obviously you're in a, a different environment right now because of being virtual. Um, but maybe in the short term or long term, how would you want to grow this lesson even further? Yeah, so I think chatting with other teachers to see how they use AR in the classroom, like outside of QR codes, because that's what I've been adapting it to for a while, because for some students, maybe their, their phones don't have enough bandwidth, so that's why working in pairs or small groups worked really well for that. You download these two, I'll download these two, and Susie Q, you download those two. And then by the three of us, we'll have all six apps. Um, so that's why I've started using QR codes, because... Um, it's easier to teach online, um, and I do a few things with demo, but it's it's hard. It's harder to do it online. But reaching out to teachers, how are they using augmented reality in different ways? Um, maybe even bringing in a couple of AR books. I know that there's like trade books out there that now have apps to go along with them, and talk about how that's being used in education and you know in the business field. Um, and then helping them do more, not so much maybe programming, but understanding how to make this 
an interesting thing for their students to create on their own. So yeah, it's a neat teacher tool. It gets the kids excited, but how can they use that, flip it on the other side of the desk? How can their students use it to create something really cool? Maybe they can do something like with acting out a story or parts of a story or a historical event or something like that. So helping them think about how can my students use it and how can I help them get to that point? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. I think that's a, a natural and, and great progression when you're integrating technology is getting comfortable yourself as the teacher, introducing it through some sort of introductory lesson, like you said, maybe an anticipatory set or the last, you know, five, 10 minute closure activity, you know, exposing those students and then slowly saying, okay, I want you to create it now. I mean, you've talked about, <laughs> you've talked about Nearpod and Pear Deck, you know, those are, I'll just classify as a 21st century presentation tool. We no longer just have to project images and words, but we can engage the audience, whoever we're presenting to, whether it's three people or 3,000 people. Well, when students are doing presentations in class, why aren't they using Nearpod and Pear Deck? And, and hopefully they are. And, and trying to teach our students, this is how you can present in the 21st century. You should be engaging your audience. You should be taking a pulse on the audience. So I love how you're flipping it to trying to get the students to to integrate integrate it into their lesson as well. So our last segment of the show is called the exit ticket. And it's four questions uh, back and forth again from Matt and I. Question number one is what is, and you touched on this a little bit so you can add to it or, or go in a different direction. What is the best thing a, a teacher can do to make a student school experience better? I would just go back to building that relationship because we remember how our teachers made us feel, not that worksheet or not that test that we did, but re we remember feeling valued and appreciated and seen and noticed. And when I ask my students, you know, tell me about your most impactful teacher. They always tell a story, whether it was a, a teacher who stayed after class and helped them, whether it was a teacher who volunteered their time or worked as a club advisor or something like that. It's about those relationships. And I think that is what can help the students learn best is knowing that they are knowing that they're noticed and that they are seen and that they are valued. So if my students ever miss a class, I would say, hey, I noticed you, you missed a class. We missed you. How are you doing? What's going on? Anything I can help you with or, you know, whatever. I don't like you missed class, Roar. <laughs> you know, um, just trying to be just trying to be a, a human and letting them know that they were missed. Hmm. So going into that, um, you obviously impart a ton of wisdom and have a big responsibility, um, but you have you surround yourself with incredible people as well. What would you say is the best piece of advice or something you always come back to um, when you're going into a tough day, uh, whether it was from a colleague, supervisor, student? What's something that uh, keeps you motivated to keep on? digging into ed tech tools and and saying oh i could use this but the most current thing would be this and i i need to do right by my students what is that advice or or that motivating factor i think it would just be seeing all the educators online like crushing it this year i mean ken and i were talking before we started to record there's no harder job in 2020 2021 than being a classroom teacher and absolutely a hundred percent 
agree with that. So seeing what, what you all are doing, whether it's just a sneak peek through Instagram or through Twitter or something you post on Facebook, I just really enjoy seeing how you guys are bringing it each day with your students. Cause I know I can bring it each day with my students too, but being able to see you're still going into the classroom. You're still just as passionate and dedicated to do what you were meant to do each and every day, working with kids, bringing up those future learners. And just, it's just so inspiring just to see all the cool stuff and all the creativity out there from educators around the world. Absolutely. I, I will stand by that statement any day of the week. There is no harder job in education than being a classroom teacher. Uh, so we know the school year goes in waves. There's usually stressful times related to conferences, report cards, those weeks where it seems like everything is due that we have to that we have to get done. So what is something that you would want to say to any educator in that moment to to power up in and rise above? Yeah. So I think going back to practicing self-care. And I, I had this conversation with Brent Coley a couple of weeks ago on my show where he, he shared with me as a first year, I think he was a second year teacher, actually. He's like, Sam, I was at the copier at like six o'clock at night. And I realized I had this epiphany that I had this huge to-do list and I could stay here every night of the week till 10 o'clock and still not get everything done. And everything's just going to keep piling up and keep coming and keep coming. But what can I control? I can control taking care of me. I can control being able to to give myself some self-love throughout the day and be gracious with myself. So I would say be gracious with yourself. Yes, you want to get your stuff done, but you've got to take care of you as well or else you won't be able to invest in the other people around you. So take care of you and show yourself grace just like you show all of your students each day. And I think that's harder said than done. I think we as teachers can be really hard on ourselves. Like, why aren't you grading that? Why didn't you do that? What's going on? Oh, you know, we're, no, take a breath. It's, you know, it'll, it will get done on its own time. I got to take care of me right now. Well, and to, to jump in real quick on that note, because I'm very passionate about encouraging this as well. Um, and with the integration of technology more than ever, a lot or all of what students are doing is being submitted online. And I feel like teachers are really putting too much pressure on themselves to evaluate, comment, or do something with every single thing that's turned in online. And a teacher that I know, phenomenal teacher, been teaching for a long time, was anxious about this. And I asked her, do you check before this, would you read and check and comment and grade every single worksheet that your students do in class? She said, no, some of it's just for practice. Just because it's online doesn't mean you have to do that. Like you got to You got to be realistic for yourself. And, and like you said, self-care is, is so, so important now more than ever. Sorry, Matt, go ahead with your No, no, I, and I think any time, right? People, people yeah. are submitting at any time too. I know that setting boundaries is a healthy thing to do and saying, Hey, it's, it's seven o'clock. I've had dinner at this point. Out. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I can get to an email tomorrow. Right. When, yes. when, and not even, I, it may be at six o'clock when I wake up, it may not be when I get to school, but I can wait till tomorrow. Uh, the last question, you are a PLN rock star. Uh, obviously <laughs> when it comes to, uh, reaching out to your PLN, you do a great job of actually tapping into that community but you also give a lot to that community. So 
with that being the case, how can people keep tabs with you? You have so much to share. You are making a huge difference. Um, what are what are some of those ways that our listeners can continue to, to stay up to date with the things going on in your world? Yeah, sure, Sue. I'm over on Twitter and Instagram at sfesich, S-F-E-C-I-C-H. And you can check out my site, sfesich.com. Keep it simple. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, you got to plug these. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I also wrote a couple of books, uh, Edgy Magic, A Guide for Pre-Service Teachers, and Edgy Magic Shine On, A Guide for New Teachers. So great stuff for our graduates in May and our new educators out there. And I honestly, from someone who's read it, not just my section that I contributed, <laughs> I've read the, the whole book. I think sure. it's... It's it's one of those books that's a uh, sequential read that you, as a as someone who's, it's been a while since I was in pre-service teaching, it was a great, again, advocation for that process and how it should look. I think that's something that comes out of it, but it's also just a really good reminder of your priorities. And uh, uh, I have not gotten into your second book yet. I apologize. I wasn't feet. It wasn't featured. Yeah, it's because you didn't include them. That's I right. know, right? He's like, I'm not reading it. I am not included. <laughs> but in all reality, I think one of the, the beautiful things about your writing style is you come off as not this highbrow know-it-all. It's a Thank kind you, of it, it, <laughs> it's an experience, right? It's the idea, the journey, and the the tough questions you ask, and the the priorities and good research, what have you. So I highly suggest it if you have the opportunity. Thank you. So we will we'll link to all of uh, Sam's social media handles, her website, and her books in our show notes page, which can be found at powereduup.com slash show10. Um, so on that note, um, you're probably not aware of this, Sam, but Matt and I released a funny little promo the day before we launched our episode. And I actually told Matt that he was going to be on a 10-show contract <laughs> to decide whether or not I should keep him as co-host. And I'm thinking about asking you right now whether or not you think he's earned the right to remain as the co-host. I don't know. Um, I think you guys did really well together. I love your energy and your flow back and forth. It was very conversational. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought, keep them on. All right, all right. I'll give you a contract extension to show 99, <laughs> Matt. All right, show we'll 99, it. you're extended too. So um, thanks again for, for being on the show. Um, you know, she's a great follow on whatever social media that you use. Um, and, and on that note, uh, the real purpose of, of this show is to, is to highlight great educators like Sam and like the other guests that we've had. Um, but it's also to grow the PowerEDUUp.com platform, which Sam, Sam is a part of. It's very small right now, but I'm confident it's going to continue to grow. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be tapping into her students soon to to get them to join the platform. And the reality is, is it's not there to replace social media. It's not there to compete with social media. It's there to be a space where you can hopefully have more in depth conversations um, and and also a place to search. You know, you will find great things when you're scrolling through social media, but you can't search how do I use Nearpod. On, on Twitter, because you're not going to get that result, whereas you can use our platform to do so. It's free. I highly encourage you, visit our website, become a member, start asking questions, sharing your lessons, sharing resources. We want teachers to network with each other. We want them to tap into each other and just share all the free stuff that's out there, whether it be knowledge, 
my template for Google Slides, my graphic organizer, whatever that is, we want teachers sharing, networking, and collaborating on our site. And, and that's the ultimate goal uh, of what we're doing here. So thanks again, uh, us on social media, everything's power edu up. Um, this is a great show. Thanks again, Sam. Your, your students are super lucky to have you. You're, oh, you're growing you. a great, um, a great, a great, uh, entourage of educators as, as they roll out into the world. I hope one day one of them will be my colleague if you can encourage them to make it all the way across the state. I know. Going and, across uh, straight state's rough, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a long journey, but, uh, Matt, why don't you take us on out of here? All right. So as we power down this episode, uh, we are positive that we left you powered up. We will uh, talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much, Dr. Sam.